informative, thought-provoking, factually correct. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to This Podcast is None of Those Things, starring Brian and Elliot. Coming to you from the Dirty Dina studio in Pasadena, Texas, here we go. Welcome everybody to This Podcast is None of Those Things. I'm Brian, and here with me is my co-host, Elliot. Elliot, hey, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Brian. How are you? I'm doing all right. So this is one of our episodes of a little mini-series we're doing about mentors and leaders who were important to us. Yep. So my part of the series is about my football coach, senior year, Coach Politis, and yours is about your pastor, Moses Bay. Moses Vay. Yeah. And so, I'm really going to let you just kind of take it away. Tell us, you know, who he was and kind of, you know, give his resume and and then what he meant to you. Okay. Thanks. I'm glad to have the floor. Now, the, the thing is, when it comes to uh, Pastor Moses Vay, and when it comes to this resume, we're talking about a man that just... In his personal life alone, he and his wife, Betty, they were married for 69 years or so. That's impressive. Yeah. You know, because a lot of marriages nowadays don't even last 69 minutes. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> let alone 69 years. I mean, so somebody leaves the socks on the floor and that's it. The marriage is done. <laughs> so, but, but they were always... A, they were always a beautiful couple. And, um, you know, there's so many things that it came to him. And I'm going to get to, I'm kind of be chronological as I can, but I mean, when it comes to the, the life, my relationship with him, everything was fluid. So there are some things that are just high points and some things that are unique storylines, like how at, you know, he, at my sister's baby dedication. And um, he actually said my oldest son's name. Because he said Jerry Elliott Jr. During the course, we was like praying for my sister and my mom and dad and me. But, you know, I am not a junior. And everybody knew that I'm not a junior. My dad doesn't have a middle name. I had, My dad is Jerry Howard. Always has been. Always will be. And although I can go by the name Jerry Howard, my full name is Jerry Elliott Howard. And so um, that's the reason that, that difference of having the name Elliott, you know, and the way things go when it comes to naming boys, you, the, the, when a, someone's a junior, the name is the exact same name. And so at the time, obviously, my son, Jerry Elliott Howard Jr., didn't exist. But for those people that wax on the prophetic and putting somebody out there in the universe and all that, it's kind of ironic that then he does. And then we're looking at 30-something years later or so. Oh, so this was thirty years before you had Jay. Yeah, this is this is at my sister's my sister's baby dedication. Oh, I didn't know if it was for your sister's baby or for her as a baby. No, no, this is for her as a baby. <laughs> okay. This is for her as a baby. Yeah, it's for her as a baby. And he says that, and just it was just part of the prayer, right? And so time goes by, and all those things, right? And I meet my son's mom, and we get married, and we have a kid. And leading up to during the pregnancy. As fate would have it, Pastor Vay and his wife Betty and their wonderful daughter Becky had uh, 
had come to visit my family when my dad had moved to Houston. And at the time my son's mom was pregnant, we were expecting Jay, but he was not, he had not arrived yet. And when Pastor Ray was getting ready to leave, they were getting ready to leave, they stayed for about like a week or so at the house. And he laid his hand, prayed on, he laid his hands on, on my wife at the time and um, prayed the, right on the, on the belly and prayed you know, a blessing. So the first actual blessing was from him to my son. Now, typically, baby blessings happen after the baby shows up, but this is one of those interesting turn twists of fate, right? So then, move the time period forward from there even, my dad had retired, right? And we had not seen Pastor Vay and his family since that day that he had prayed over you know, uh, my son's mom. And so it was at my house and everyone was there. And so he gets to see Jay for the first time. And Jay is, I think he's, he was four. He was roughly around what Walter, my, my youngest son, Walter is now. And Bazerve, he's a big, burly Hungarian guy talking about like, you know, he, he probably like at least six, four deep voice. Even he can't whisper. <laughs> like that's where you learned it. <laughs> well, my dad's voice is deep too. I meant the not being able to whisper. Well, there's a lot of men that influence me with that inability. So, Pastor Ray was one of them. So, but the thing was, is that in the midst of the group that was all over at my house celebrating my dad's retirement, there was a wooden chair, which I still have in the house to this day, that Pastor Ray had gotten to and sat down. And Jay just walks over to him and crawls into Pastor Ray's lap. And then they start playing and laughing. It was like they were in their own moment, in their own world, just the two of them, right? And I, my mom got the picture. I have it somewhere in the house. I got to find it. And it was, and at the moment, I felt it was surreal to me, right? Because the timeline, 40 years ago, this prayer happened. This, you know, then the prayer, you know, when you're, he was supposed to arrive and then, now you're holding the very thing that you called into existence all those years ago, you know, and and I was even thinking about it. Actually, I was because Carrie and I are about three and a half years apart, so I was actually <laughs> Jay's age when Pastor Bay was holding him in the house, <laughs> like at the time that so it's, it had come full circle at that point and. And and that was kind of a surreal thing for me, right? And um, so then playing it back, there's a whole ladder of how we get to there. Because we're looking at, in my life leading up to, you know, because I had a very interesting church upbringing. Yes, I am a church kid. Actually, in a way, I am a preacher's kid because my dad is an ordained minister, as well as my mom. And both of them have preached, even though my dad is a businessman. My mom was. Your dad did marry you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the in the wedding without a microphone, without a microphone. Cause my dad, not the DJ's fault, right? <laughs> <laughs> but my dad didn't need it because his voice. There's a reason why my voice is the way it's genetics. Like you, you can hear me on the other side of Pasadena. We might start recording that way. Exactly, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's this dot those in this situation, right? Just join me. On, just join us on Instagram. So. But in bringing it all back, we're looking at when you're a kid and you grow up, 
with these adults. I mean, there's adults, and mentorship is so important because we've talked about this off, you know, off air, Brian, and and you know where I've been involved in community work with trying to help you know men be mentors, like these be pillars in a community. With the fact is, is that regardless of like what racial background anybody is, fatherhood is fatherhood. You know, and being a mentor is being a mentor, and everybody needs them, okay? And so, and whether you realize it or not, whether, you know, just the general audience, that you have really have no idea what impact you're having on the life of the child, how that transforms them, you know, over time, what sees them what they could become, at least how they feel about themselves, how they see themselves, and... When it comes to the church, we you know Pastor Ray was uh, the pastor of when I was, or the, he had been a pastor for quite some time at the time that I showed up, and was the Hope Temple in Finley, Ohio. And Finley, Ohio, is a postage stamp in the middle of cornfields in the middle of Northwest Ohio, which really isn't anything because if you haven't heard anything, there's really no reason to stop. When people come to Northwest Ohio, they come to Cedar Point, and that's it. So. What he does is, so so he was that, he was, and so he did those things, and he was a pastor there, and coming up and seeing him, and he was always pleasant, always nice, all that, but then it was the coming over to the house for dinner, coming over to his house for dinner, and his family was always warm and ingratiating, and it's one of those reasons why, like, for me, personally, and I know that in, what's so important is that in this racial climate that we find ourselves now in this country, like, where it seems like we're proliferated, right? You know, we're talking about Hungarian. My family is not. <laughs> right? They're like, wait. No. You know, we don't, <clears throat> we don't look like any of those things. <laughs> we don't really relate it at all. But but that's where the point is. is that, you're not Eastern European? No. 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 He's not African American. <laughs> but, 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 you know what? It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. There wasn't a time that I was around him that I did not feel loved, him or his family, right? And so they had with part of that development. I could, but I related to him as a kid, right? And there were, and it was, but it was was interesting how like when there were big transitions in our family when we had to move or there were things that we were facing. But I was sick as a child. I remember him coming in. And I played the, you know me for playing the saxophone now, but he's the one that gave me my toy saxophone when I was in the hospital and had a hard time breathing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was. You know, there was, you know, this, I was in isolation. I don't know if it was isolation, but I did have a tent around me. And now, it was, and. and Jeez Louise, did you have the Rona? No, they didn't have the Rona back then. Bronchitis the money would do enough for you right there, right? And uh, he was one of, he came by it was at least once, if not twice. And. Um, but then he was always checking on me. At least when talking to my folks and like you know, seeing how I was doing, how I was caring, and how, how I was getting along. So then later on, as you get older, you start seeing somebody. You start. They always talk about kids don't miss a thing, right? And like parents like to think that the kids didn't see the bad behavior as well as the good behavior. No, we saw it all. We just hadn't processed it, right? And so what ended up happening? There was a thing going on at the church. And Pastor Vey um, 
had gone away, you know, for doing evangelism and such. And my mom and dad were part of, had been part of the leadership of the church and were heavily involved in there and all. And there was a situation that I found with the guy that was interim and all. And they wouldn't let, what ended up happening with the other leadership in the church, they wouldn't let my mom and dad participate and such like that, right? My, and we were like, please understand, the black population in Finley was less than 1%. It so, was like you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that church, it was us. And, and so... What ends up happening is, you know, I'm cutting it, there's a, I'm giving you the bridge version. They came down to a vote for some things when it came to the leadership, right? And, and Pastor Gray came back and said things right. And even though, like, it was, the, it would have been, it was the unpopular thing for this guy to stand up for a black couple, he did. Even if it meant costing him, you know, leadership of the church. Or something. And I don't know if it did or not, but it, it did make certain people feel a certain type of way. He didn't care. It's like, like, God doesn't see color. I don't remember exactly what all he said, but he's like, how dare you, like, not allow them to speak? They have every right. And I was just like, at the time as a kid, I was like, whoa, he said that. But then when I got older and realized the the adult ramifications of everything, I was like, <clears throat> you know, that's some spine. Like, since I didn't, because I hadn't seen that, regardless of church or not, just in life in general, is I can count on one hand how many times I definitely saw somebody that definitely had, like, spine. Like, this was like, this is going to, this could cost you, this could hurt. And it's like, hurt or not, right is right, wrong is wrong, and this is where I make my stand. Right. Ride with me or don't ride with me, I don't care. Right. And so my view of him changed right and so time moves forward time moves forward and i'm in college and so now we're different it's different now right because i'm it's not my mom and dad right and it's like when you get to college you start trying to you try we're all trying to figure it out right and lo and behold here comes this this burly hungarian (laughs) right Calls to check, and he got my number from my mom and dad and called me himself. We talked. We exchanged emails. He had an email. And this is significant because email didn't always exist, y'all. I was just telling <laughs> you, back in the day. In the, the mid-90s, it, was, it, like, it, it, wasn't a perfe- it, it wasn't the perfect science that it is now, like it really is now, okay? But just go with me. <laughs> Work with me here. So he, he did. He, he, we, we took it down and we exchanged it. We started becoming pen pals. And I was like, Wait a second. And at that point, he's most part retired. He's not really in the basic thing because he was he was old. I mean, he was older than my grandparents, and my grandparents were old, right? They understand in 1995, when my freshman year in college, my grandfather died my freshman year in college. It was like April. They're like, that's the vein. And then when we were at the uh, at the uh, um, wake. He was there. He'd come all the way from California to be at my grandfather's, um, you know, and then traveled with everybody down to Southern Ohio and, you know, was there, sat up with the other ministers, talked about my grandpa and all those. And then I was like, you took the time to do that. And I'm like, you're different. You're different. You're different. In my head, this is registers that don't know how to process that beyond the fact that I know that I have always loved you and respected you, but I did not understand what all came with the package. Do you have any questions so far? 
No, I'm I'm just enjoying the story. Right. Like it's nice to hear about it's nice to hear a story of, of a man of God who acts like a man of God. Mm-hmm. Instead of all the horror stories you hear about, you know, them creating prosperity for themselves or talking down to people or, you know, all the honestly basic normal human traits, but you you always want to expect more out of the clergy. Mm -hmm. And it's good to hear about someone who meets that expectation. I mean, he exceeds it. Yeah, I mean, it was so much so that every time there was a move, his family, he and his family, it wasn't just him. They helped us move. They brought they they brought stuff for the house. They brought things, you know, that they say, "Oh, you might this might look good inside of here." What do you think of this? If we didn't, if my mom didn't like it, then I send it back. Get some other stuff, right? It was always trying to help, always trying to help. He and his wife, you know, and their family, you know, Sister Vay. I always call her Sister Vay. I know I'm in the South. It's Ma'am, it's Mrs. and all that. I grew up I grew up Pentecostal. He was a Pentecostal minister, and so in that that theme. The guys were called brother so and so or sister so and so. Yeah. So understand that's how this that's how I referred to them my entire life and at forty five, soon to be forty five years of age, that's not gonna change. He was always pastor and she was always sister. Um and she and, and quite frankly, they operated as like family anyway. So there you go. And but he wouldn't mean he would do the heavy lifting. I mean, my dad needed to move a desk, and this old man got behind and helped my dad lift the desk up the uh, top of the stairs at the house. I remember that. Or when I came back from, he'd come, he'd, uh, he and, and Sister Bay had come by, and Sister Bay's name was Betty, by the way, just so you understand. Just the sweetest woman you ever did meet. And um, my sister and I, we think we were a senior in high school, and he had come, we had, he had, they come by unbeknownst to us. My mom and dad knew, obviously. And we came through the door. And he was talking to my dad, I guess, in my mom and dad's bedroom. And then, because he heard us, came running out of the, the room and slid on his, on his side. So you got this man that's 70-something years old, running like a little kid with the energy of a teenager, right? And so when someone's that excited to see you, you, you it kind of makes you feel a different way. That's, I mean, that's a different edification that, I mean, every kid, I hope, the kids out there get to experience that. And I did get that from home. My mom and dad loved me. And that that's I was not lacking in the love department. It was just like that extended part where you get that from other people that don't have to. Because I run into pastors and some of that that couldn't care if I lived or breathed. Okay. And I was actively involved in those pastors, um, church and organizations, stuff like that, right? And but that wasn't him. Right? And the idea of him, and, and granted, living in Houston, the idea of a megachurch is completely different than us farm and rural folk in northwestern Ohio. We considered Hope Temple a megachurch. They had like maybe 2,000 people, and we considered that big, <laughs> right? And this whole 20,000, 30,000 member having five or six services on a Sunday, never, that was never a bit. By 9 o'clock in the morning, had this, well, 8 o'clock, we'd have the Sunday school. Nine o'clock, there was a service. By about eleven o'clock or noon, depending on what was being covered, we were done. Had the rest of the time by KFC <laughs> or Lee's fried chicken and call it a day. <laughs> right? Wow, two thousand people though, that's still so much bigger than my church was growing up. Yeah. Yeah, see. But you know what's funny the thing is is that there was 
And, and I think, again, if it's the bigger churches, the ultra big or the medium size or the small, I mean, good church is a good church by what makes something good is from the leadership to the people. So, um, and Pastor Bay definitely exemplified that. Now, here's the thing where it gets even better. Okay, so we does that. And it runs along the storyline of Jay's life, frankly, because we're looking at um, when it came to decisions about who I was going to get married to, when it came down to like, you know, advice and stuff like that, he would just call me. You know, and um, and so, so I was, some of the bigger things that I would face after I came out of college, he still made his presence felt in my life. And that he would call that he could that he would call me that he knew that he would if he called me I would listen, but he knew that he could call me if there was something that he needed to say, and that I could call him and he would listen and give me advice, right? And I didn't have I can honestly say I've never had that type of relationship with any other pastor. And this is again what makes it significant is that at this point in his life when I'm an adult, he's basically semi-retired. He might do some evangelical things here and there. But he wasn't. Well, and you've moved away. He's not even your pastor anymore. No, we're not. We're nowhere. We're we're talking about we're thousands of miles apart, right? There's time differences between the two of us, right? And and like, but somehow inherently, I knew that if I was if I needed to talk to someone, I could make the call and he would take it. And so there were a lot of dark moments that I would face. That the reason why I didn't go overboard. He was one of the reasons why, because a lot of times when you're hurting, emotionally, like, like you know, there's, there's general hurt, and then, you know, there's things that you can go through that just, it just rips your soul out, right? And, and so that's when you find out who's who. Because a lot of people say, I mean, it's, it's cliche, because I'm about church, about the whole thing about Peter talking to Jesus, Lord, Lord, I will never leave you. I will, I will, I will always be by your side. I will never deny you. And yeah, you know, by the Time the clock the clock crows three times that you would have died me three, so yeah. The clock crowed. The, the, yeah, the New <laughs> Testament was wild. Yeah, it was. The chicken, the the, the, the chicken said what it had to say. So read, you know, and 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 so when you learn that you, you see, I, I've learned what that feels like when people the people that you think that they would always and then that not, or that they would live up to the word because you know that you would, but then they don't. And then it's like, no, it's like God just kind of like says, like, well, yeah, they weren't because you picked those. I didn't pick those. These individuals right here, here, like, you know, Brian Henderson, go in. It's your time. <laughs> like, <laughs> Pastor Vay, go in. It's your time. Right? Yeah, these are the ones. I wish I would have known that. I would, wish I would have gotten to know this other member of Team Elliot. Yeah, I wish you'd have too. We'd, um, and, you know, he was he was gone. Yeah, yeah. It it, it, it was. Uh, we'll get to that because that's that's a that's a challenge to talk about even of itself. But um, so really, like he he was there and he didn't have to be. And and I guess the thing is that at the point that when I'm gotten older and going through some of the things that I went through. And some of the people that I thought that would not go, that did, or just disappeared or ghosted, and then he was still there, right? I appreciated it all the more because at this point, there is, because most older individuals don't take time 
for the younger guys. It just doesn't happen. That's been the thrust of Man, Man Alive for Dr. Paul Demon and I to work with you know guys are trying to bridge that gap because men of all ages need help from other men, especially the younger guys, because a lot of older men will criticize younger men for not knowing what to do. They but, won't tell them what to do. Right. And so you can't have it both ways. If you're going to complain about the problem, then can you be the solution? Yeah. Otherwise, you're just piling on and making it worse. Because the guy in the situation feels bad that he doesn't know how to fix it. His heart is hurt, and he doesn't know how to heal that. And it's not like men talk. Like, women go through something, I guarantee you. <laughs> like, if they got 100 friends, all 100 know about it, and they're all having a group hug. They all got an opinion, too. Right, yeah. But men go through something, it's like, they are, oh, really? That hurts, huh? Here, have a drink. Yeah, right? Yep. But I can't even talk. No, I'm not that type of dude that you talk to. Here's a drink. Let's drink on that, right? And... Um, when there really is a need for that. So when you have somebody that actually is that way and, um, it was, and I was at the age that I think I realized that this was like, after going through it all, like I really did appreciate it. And after I, I got further back, which is one of the most, which is one of the motivations for the final book of the poetry series of rewritten lives. There's a narrative, there's a novel part that comes after that, but there's a revelation was, you know, when it ultimately does come out, it's about this poetry that reveals the fact that after you've been through what you've been through, looking back and thinking about what it is that you've been through, right? How you processed it, right? And he didn't, like a lion doesn't have to announce that it's a lion when it walks amongst the animals. He is like that, he was like that lion. Like, I don't need to tell you that I'm your friend. When I walk in, that's exactly what I am. Right? And I'm thankful. I was so thankful. And I'm thankful even more so now. Because a lot of times, and in, in those moments, because actually, in a couple of those things, because like, you know, did I say, Brian, that like you were in Pittsburgh, and, you know, we were, had, had slowly been able to get to reconnect, but there was distance and communication issues that we tried to have had. It was just him. Right. And not a lot of my family know that, how often he and I were talking, but he did. And like, and the thing is, he, he did it wasn't like he was the soft pillow type, like, oh, there, 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 there. No, you can get it out. But like, you know, wanting the person, wanting somebody to stay in my life. And he was like, okay, well, if they want to leave, so be it. Let them go. <laughs> like, like, and because it was him, because, but because it was him, it registered different. It was like that you talk about your coach, right? That you talk about with me fondly. You know, these types of individuals could talk to us in a certain way that nobody else can. They get to our spirit in such a way that nobody else can. To pull the positive results out of us that nobody else could. Right? right? Absolutely. And so I'm listening to your story and, you know, condense down to me, like, what were the biggest lessons he he passed to you? Know your worth. Know your worth. Know your worth separate from however people interpret you. Right? Don't base a value on other people's interpretation. Know your worth 
own your behavior. And one of his sermons that I still have on this, this day, something that I have not heard a pastor preach about since him, was about the patterns of people learning how to talk to one another, how to interact with one another. Because it is spelled out like siphoning that flow of water, which meant that communication, right? So instead of that siphoning that, to build that communication, you got to know how to listen as well as talk. And when we talk, being careful with how we talk. And so but he dealt with me with that person. Being There's a spiritual side to everything, right? And being aware of the spirit of the situation, the spirit of the moment, and understanding how, what, if, if there's a real positive spirit with it, or if there's not, God's in it, or God is not. And to know the difference, right? Because you can want something as badly as you want it, but that doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do, right? And then ultimately, still, if you say you're going to be there for somebody, be there for somebody. And I can attest, that one definitely took. Because you're always there when, when I need you. And you expect that out of out of others. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not an unfair thing to expect of people. It's it's a difficult thing to get mm-hmm. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it is. And you know the thing is is that that in and of itself needs to be a standard because if you know that you're gonna be all in, then it's fair to expect other people that say they wanna be in your life to be all in. Because if they're not, if they're not going to match your energy with that, then it's not evil to not be in that relationship. What's evil is the fact that you know that you're not that that, that person is not going to reciprocate that. They know they're not. They'll take what you give, but they're not going to give that back, right? And you're in both. You're robbing that that person is robbing the person that's giving. And you're letting yourself get robbed, right? And so just to be able to see that in the beginning, see how things build, and then make your decision. But no, but the whole thing is if you know your worth and knowing exactly what you're going to be giving and what you're bringing when it comes to that. Because even in, even in the Bible, it talks about in Ecclesiastes, the rich man, okay, the rich man and the poor man both die, right? So in all that rich and wealth, it's not saying that you shouldn't do well in life, try to do as well as you can financially, but that's still vanity chasing after the wind. Long and whole, all I'm going to say is this. When it comes to him and his family, I will say as a family that's not blood-related, they have made probably the biggest impact on me. And I am thankful that they shared him as well as themselves. And he's gone. He's been gone for um, eight years now. And... I've missed him every day, but I am thankful for the time that I've had with him. And I know wherever I go, he's with me because what he taught me is in me. And so that's what I have to say about Pastor Ray. And and this in in the final moments and talking about Sister Ray, Betty Ray, um, she was everybody's grandmother. Like she went like I would say she was the sweetest woman that you could ever meet. I love her. I thought the world of her. And my life was better because of both of them. 
So, you know, thank you, Bay family, for sharing Pastor Bay and Sister Bay with me in my life. That's made a significant difference, and I'm thankful for you allowing me for you allowing me to talk about Pastor Bay on this podcast as well as those things. Absolutely, my pleasure. And I feel like there's there's some sawdust, <laughs> a little bit of sawdust in the air. There is. Um, you know, I I think that's a phenomenal story, and. You know, I want to explore almost further. I kind of want to get, like, somebody from his family to come on and do a follow-up and really do a biography of him, a full mm-hmm. biography, because it sounds just such, like such an interesting guy. He was. And, I mean, the story you told with him regarding your parents and just standing up for what's right, not because it was convenient, but because it was right. I mean, that's it's an ultimate in character. And that's a great, that's a great, if nothing else, a, lead, a leading by example. Mm-hmm. And thank you for, for bringing that story into the room. That's fantastic, Elliot. And, you know, before we, before we deal with too much sawdust, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say, um, obviously, you know, it's about eight years too late, but rest in peace, Pastor Moses or Pastor Moses Vay, and mm-hmm. rest in peace, Sister Vay. Mm-hmm. And you know, thank you both for making Elliot the way he is. Thank you. And with that, I want to thank all of you for listening to our our little mini series here on leadership and mentors and. You know, as per usual, follow us on the social medias, on Instagram at this dot those, on Twitter, this underscore those, like our Facebook page, this podcast is none of those things, and check us out on Audible, Amazon, Apple, Google, Spotify, I know I'm forgetting something, but I always do. Amazon Music. Amazon Music. And thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.